0: Turn in your Bibles to the book of Malachi. It's the last one of the Old Testament. Find Matthew. It's big. Go back one page. Malachi. Our text today is from Malachi chapter 4. The last four verses. Verses 4 through 6. The last three verses. Malachi chapter 4. Verses 4 through 6. Before we begin, let's ask God to give us eyes that we would be faithful witnesses of His work. God, we come today distracted, hearts set on experiencing something, demanding things of You. I pray that You would take all those things away. That we would lay them at the feet of the cross. You would give us eyes to see Christ. In Christ alone on every page of Your Word. Help us, God, to see Him and delight in Him and experience His work that we would be a witness. We would be witnesses from here in Rochester and Minnesota to the ends of the earth seeing how You are still at work today and inviting others to be part of Your marvelous kingdom work. God grant this request for the glory of our risen Savior and by His blood we ask. Amen. Now that Thanksgiving is done, you all have permission, freedom to crank up the Christmas music as loud and wild as you can with wild abandon, anticipation for a great holiday experience. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? gives us hope for our promised joy to finally be fulfilled it's that time of year when you have that big present under the tree right kids that has your name on it wrapped beautifully you're excited that this might be the one that fulfills all your desires it's the one you've wanted all year long and I hate to break it to you it's gonna disappoint you when you rip open that paper and it's a box of socks (laughs) what a letdown we've all had these letdown types of experiences in our lives before right a friend says oh you got to see this you got to read this book see this movie come to this concert they hype it up with great anticipation you're like my friend's excited i ought to go check it out and then after the experience you're rather underwhelmed eh, wasn't that great oftentimes church can feel like that right Maybe someone invited you to church today, and, and they were really excited about how they've seen God work here at Redemption City Church, and you checked out the website and thought, okay, it seems like a legit group. They're not too crazy. You walk in the front door and had some wonderful greeters shake your hand, open the door for you, and now you're feeling a little bit like, what's the big deal? I don't see it. Is this it? Is this it? the whole experience is just kind of meh what's it all about many of us most of us i assume have ever have asked the question is this really all church is about you read the bible and you see these extraordinary stories of miraculous things happening. you're like i want to be part of that you feel like you're made for something great for something really big you read the bible and you go yes that's it. And then you look around at all of us. You go, "Really? This is it? I thought it would be so much more." Everything God promised seems so ordinary. We don't see what we expected to see. And this is the exact feeling that Israel had in the book of Malachi. They read through their scriptures, they heard from their prophets, great promises That they would be returned to the land after exiled for their sin. They'd be brought into the land and God would restore them and rebuild the city. And He's going to do this marvelous thing to make them a holy, powerful, prosperous nation. And then we see from the last couple weeks, Haggai and Zechariah show us it wasn't happening. It wasn't getting done. And He said, build the temple. Rebuild the city. Then it'll happen. But... They returned. They rebuilt the city. They rebuilt the temple. They had great anticipation that God would show up at any moment and usher in this powerful experience like they read when Solomon dedicated the temple and the glory of God rushed down into the temple. Wow, I want to see that. But here they are, 80 years later. A new temple is built. The city walls are constructed. Sacrifices are happening in the temple and the glory of God nowhere to be seen. They look around and think, is this it? Really? They just don't see it. They had all these expectations about what redemption would look like. And it was falling flat in their faces. So Malachi is writing to offer corrective lenses for God's people to see how God is at work. He's telling them, don't just look around with your your fleshly eyes and think you can see God. Look to the Word to see how God is at work. Look to the Word to see how God is at work. Typically, when we have a letdown of our expectations, we respond in one of two ways. First, you're tempted to quit. Just give up. What's the point? Then you go off somewhere else. Run to a different experience. Run to something more immediately satisfying. Sex, drugs, sports, shopping. Or the other option is to try harder. Work harder to drum up the expected experience. You volunteer more. Stick it out longer. Start your own movement, your own program. Tell everyone else, write a book to tell everyone else how they got it wrong and you're doing it right. Import methods from other popular experiences. Maybe that'll help us enjoy God's presence more. And this is where Israel finds themselves with the same dilemma. Some have just given up altogether and run off to find other gods. Others are doubling down on their religious efforts to earn that blessing, but still not finding it. They never considered another option. Maybe something's wrong with their eyes and they just can't see it. God is doing exactly what He promised right in front of them. But we've been looking at it all wrong. Perhaps you felt that way about a church experience. Other people get so excited about it and they invite you to be part of it, but from what you can see, you have two options. Move on, find another experience, or stick it out maybe a little longer. Work a little harder. Dig deeper. Maybe you'll find a treasure here among these lumps of coal. Both are a mistake. Instead, let's together look to the Word and see how God is at work. This is what Malachi is telling us in these words, the last words of his prophecy. He gives us this same message. Look to the Word. Look to the Word. But he explains through the whole structure of the book that they are looking at it all wrong. So first we're going to look through the book of Malachi and see how Israel saw the law and the prophets as just a list and how trying to accomplish God's experience through this list led to confusion and problems. Then we're going to shift our perspective, come back to the text again and look at it all over and see how the law and the prophets are a lens that helps us better see how God is at work in the world even today. So let's go back to the text, follow along again in chapter 4 verses 4 to 6. And we'll see how Israel saw this law on the prophets as a list. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you a prophet, Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord and when he and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children in the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the end of the book of Malachi, and these his last three verses are kind of his summary, not just of his own message, but of the entire Old Testament. He talks about the Law and the Prophets. Malachi structures his message around this idea of the Law and the Prophets. And Moses is the one who stands as a representative of the Law, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Elijah is the representative of the Prophets, the history of Israel from Joshua through Malachi. Moses told them about their origins. The Prophets told them about how they were unfaithful to what God had called them to be. And if Israel just understood what these scriptures were all about, they wouldn't have all these problems that they're facing. But as they see the law and the prophets simply as a list of things to do, they hear this call to remember the law of Moses, and they think they're called to do better. Work harder to achieve your experience. Find what has gone wrong. Figure out a way to fix it. Because we're all legalists at heart. We drum up in our own effort the way to make things right. This is how we see the world around us. We're always finding problems and coming up with our own great solutions to fix it. And we come to church, and we look around and see all the problems, all kinds of things that need to be fixed, and then we have all kinds of suggestions for what needs to be done to make it right. And so Malachi writes, remember the law of the prophets, Remember the law of my servant Moses. It's an obvious statement to the legalist. Duh, that's what we've been trying to do. Remember the law. We're trying to do it. And so this is the dialogue that Malachi has with Israel, that really God has with Israel through the whole book of Malachi. There's six dialogues, starting in chapter 1 and going through chapter 3, that are kind of arguments between God and Israel. God says, you're doing this. And Israel responds, When did we do that? How are we doing that? Trying to defend themselves. No, we're trying to follow the law. And then God follows up to explain, no, you've missed the whole thing. These disputes, there's six disputes that structure the book. Three of them focus on what the law says and the other three focus on themes from the prophets. And they're put together in a unique way to kind of show us a scene in a courtroom where God is... Calling witnesses to the stand. Six witnesses to say, who can see God at work in Israel? And not one of them proves to be a faithful witness. And all six disputes prove that Israel has been unfaithful. And these six disputes are lined up in what's kind of in the theological world called a chiasm. Talked about this a little bit in Zechariah last week, but it comes from the Greek letter chi x so it builds this pyramid structure where the first and the last disputes match up and then the second and second last match up and the third and the third to last match up and they're driving toward a center point that is a main point that malachi wants us to focus on and malachi these six disputes line up in this structure to show us everyone has been unfaithful but it all points to one faithful witness who is to come he will set everything straight. He will give you eyes to see how God is at work. The first and the sixth, the first and the last are in the beginning of chapter one, the end of chapter three. These talk about how Israel can't see in larger society how God is at work. They look around and see suffering, poverty, injustice everywhere, not the hoped righteousness and prosperity as they expected. It doesn't look like God even cares. Where are you, God? You don't even care about us. And then the second and the fifth disputes zoom in a little closer to religious life at the temple. Right at the heart of everything they do, they say, we built the temple and we're offering sacrifices and you are nowhere to be seen, God. And then the third and fourth make the top of this pyramid These disputes at the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3 provide the center, the main focus of this message. Covenant unfaithfulness is their primary problem. And nobody is being a faithful witness to take the Word and correct it. They're calling good evil and evil good. But Israel can't see evidence of God at work. They're blind. They're arguing with God because they think they are being faithful. Yeah, we remember the law and the prophets, of course. Moses told us we could get a divorce, so we're doing that. It's all right. It's justified in the law. We're in the land. We have a temple. We're offering sacrifices. Isn't that what the law tells us to do? What more do you want? God, give us our blessing. These people have kept the law better than any generation before them. So they think. This is where the party of the Pharisees arose that we read about in the Gospels that Jesus confronts a lot. These Pharisees are ones who heard this call, remember the law of Moses. They're like, yes, we don't want to go into exile again. We want the promised blessings. So we, unlike our fathers, are going to keep the law. And we're even going to put laws all the way around the law so that we don't get close to breaking the law. And in doing so, God says, you have entirely missed the point. The law wasn't intended to be a list of accomplishments that earn you a blessing, but the law was to expose their sin and leave them hungry for someone to come and save them. Let's see how they understood it wrongly. In these first and six points, God has to point them to Genesis. We see that in chapter 1. He says, Jacob I loved and Esau I have hated, saying, Israel is still alive, aren't you? Remember from the book of Obadiah? I destroyed Edom. They don't exist anymore and you're still alive. What more proof do you want that I'm at work? And then in the second and fifth points about the temple, They might be bringing sacrifices, but it's not their first fruits. They're bringing polluted offerings, the worst, the the deformed animals, not the righteous, spotless lamb that's supposed to shadow an idea that they need to be covered by perfection. They aren't sufficiently giving the first 10% of their income to help this worship activity happen. They're stealing from God. Worst of all, in light of these third and fourth disputes, right at the end of chapter 2, they're defaming God's character when they intermarry with foreign women. They're getting divorced whenever these women don't please them, so move on to the next one. And nobody is picking up the law and calling them out for their wickedness. Nobody is bearing witness to God's righteousness. They want to talk about the law, then God's going to show them from the law how far short they fall. You want to show up to church and start talking about all the the ways that we do things wrong. You're going to find out how messed up we are. we got a lot of things wrong. A lot of ways that we fall short. If we dwell on those things and the expected experience we think we should have, we're going to destroy ourselves in endless debates about how this thing or that thing isn't good enough. doesn't satisfy me. And in doing so, we miss the whole point of the whole Bible. The Bible isn't a list of rules to follow in order to achieve your expected experience with God. Instead, it's a portrait of a person. The faithful witness who when we see Him will reshape every single experience we have in life. Whether you're at home with your family, at work, at mail, walking down the street or shopping, at the store, if you are looking at Christ Every experience will be one that proves God is at work. Right in the middle of Malachi's disputes, we see who that faithful witness is. The one who will give us eyes to see. Chapter 2, verse 14 tells us that God is bearing witness against their covenant breaking. And then a few verses later in chapter 3, verse 5, there's also coming a man who will be a witness on behalf of the Lord. God and man somehow fit together into one person who will bear witness. Though Malachi is the last of the Old Testament prophets, he gives a little hint. There will be silence for a little while. And the next prophet to come, he will make way for this faithful witness. This God-man to whom all the law and the prophets point. So let's go back now to our text in chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, and put on these new lenses so we can see how Israel should have seen God at work. This time we see the law and the prophets as a lens. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of Fathers to their children and children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. Israel thought they were doing the right thing. They were going to the Word and looking there, but looking with blinded eyes. They were looking at their history and failing to see what they should see, what God was doing. They themselves were not faithful witnesses when malachi says remember the law they say oh keep the law that's what you're telling me if they had actually read through the whole thing they would realize from genesis through malachi not a single person has ever been able to keep the law who are you to think that you can too everyone has failed every generation. Yet throughout the whole story, there's these promises from the prophets. Someone is coming. Someone is coming. Someone is coming coming who will rescue you. The message of the whole Bible has always been the law condemns you. Look at the law and repent and look forward to the Savior who is coming to save you. That's how Malachi is ending this book. Don't think you can keep the law, but look forward to the day when another prophet arrives. A Redeemer who will change people's hearts to love one another because God has changed their hearts to love Him. This coming messenger who will make way for the faithful witness. He's going to use words to testify of God's kingdom. He's going to This faithful witness then will see how God is at work when nobody else can see it, and He's going to call everyone else to see, just as we were designed to do. That's what Adam and Eve were made to do. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. That you represent God, that you see Him work, and you go tell other people how He works. This is what happened in the book of Deuteronomy. Children are coming to their parents going, why do we keep doing this? Why do we keep reading this book? Why do we keep saying this? So that they can say, God rescued us from the land of Egypt. But Adam and Eve failed to do that. They couldn't do it when Satan tempted them. Where's God in this? The nation of Israel was called out of Egypt to do that. And they they were faithful for a little while. Remember when they started conquering the promised land. all those foreign nations were standing around seeing the army come. And they trembled. But they didn't tremble looking at Israel's army. They trembled because they heard the testimony that God had saved these people out of Egypt. And they were in trouble too. But like every witness in history, Israel also stopped bearing true witness. In our sin, we become false witnesses. We with one with our lips we tell the world that we represent God, and then our li- lives tell the world lies. It's like The idea that churches sing lies every Sunday morning. We sing all these beautiful truths in the lyrics and then we go out and tell lies with our lives. We tell the world that God is vile, licentious, untrustworthy, selfish, prudish, stingy, boring. So God has to raise up prophets to come and rebuke the people to be a witness Call the people. Open your eyes. God is all over. His glory fills the earth. But God told Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, there are people who have eyes but cannot see. Malachi is the last of the prophets who's preaching to a people with eyes that can't see. Malachi says, God is working. You just can't see it. And their expectations are off because their hearts are focused in the wrong direction. They're expecting some kind of experience. But at the center of Malachi's message is not experience, but hope that a faithful witness is coming. Malachi will be the last prophet for 400 some years. God is silent for over 400 years. But He says the next prophet to come, when you hear the Word of God proclaimed again, it will be that promised prophet who is ushering in the faithful witness the one who will open people's eyes so they can finally see God and over 400 years later we see in the book of Matthew and John in Mark John the Baptist standing there saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand he is a faithful witness he can see he sees the Savior coming walking towards him And Jesus confirms this in Matthew 11, verse 14, that John is Malachi's promised Elijah to come. The one announcing the faithful witness. Jesus came to be the witness that would show us God. The one who could give us eyes to see. He's the messenger of a new covenant that helps us see God. The one in Malachi 3.1 who will come suddenly into His temple. They expected some conquering king to march into the temple and clean it out and say, here I am. I'm making this righteous. Instead, as we celebrate this time of year, a baby was brought to the temple. He came suddenly and nobody expected it. And Zechariah sings in the temple that he has seen the Lord's salvation. It has come. But we see it in even more fully at Pentecost when the Spirit of Christ comes down rushing into His people, the temple is God's people. God is working, but it's in ways we don't expect. Jesus is the faithful witness of Malachi that the law and the prophets look forward to. He's the one that can see through all the demonic activity that's oppressing the nation, even though no one else can tell what's going on. He sees that God's hand is working to bring salvation. And the clearest picture we have now in hindsight of His perfect sight is on the cross. We're in the midst of that terrible darkness. He's bearing the sins of the world on His own shoulders for all who trust in Him so that they can receive His righteousness. As the event is unfolding, darkness covered the land. The people scattered. They're in despair. This is it. This is the end. God has abandoned us. All of His promises come to an end here. They didn't realize that this was also the beginning of God revealing how all the promises are fulfilled in completely unexpected ways. As Jesus rose from the dead, Conquering death, proving that he is still alive, still at work. And he is building his kingdom. So to use Malachi's imagery, those first two matching sets of disputes about a society, a city that God is rebuilding, Jesus reshapes it. He's building a city that's far more than a city in the Middle East on a mountain. He's filling the whole earth with people who gather together to enjoy His blessings. The temple, as we've seen in the last few weeks, is not just a structure in Jerusalem, but the people of God gathered together to enjoy His presence among us. And individual people in that temple are redeemed to finally be faithful covenant keepers. Ones who are married to Christ a representative of Christ's love for His church, pointing to that greater marriage and making spiritual children as witnesses who give birth to other people by the power of us speaking God's Word. These were the things that were happening, being prepared in Malachi's day. They just didn't have eyes to see it. Some did at the end of chapter 3 just to prove that God is still at work. But the rest chose to abandon God. Or some chose to dig in their heels deeper. Fight with God about how they're not getting what they deserve. But we need to see through the Word that God is doing exactly what He promised. It's all unfolding right before our eyes. We need to reshape our expectations of what we should experience through the lens of the Word Himself. Jesus Christ is the Word. The lens that we see the world through. In Him, we have eyes to see what He is doing. God is at work right here today in many of your hearts. And unless Christ is your focus and Scripture is your lens, you're going to miss it. How do we do this? How do we begin to see God at work? Look to the Word. Look to the Word and see that every single page of Scripture points to Christ. When we have eyes to see every on every page that it talks about Jesus, then we can lift our eyes up and you start seeing Him everywhere you go, working in His people, working in circumstances, creating divine appointments. This is the testimony of the account of the New Testament witnesses. When Jesus arrived and began calling His disciples to Himself, He called Philip. And then Philip got so excited that he ran to tell his buddy Nathaniel in John chapter 1. He grabs a hold of Nathaniel and shakes him and says, come and see the one whom the Law and the Prophets spoke about. His name is Jesus. He was filled with excitement because he saw Jesus, the one that the Word pointed to. And Jesus confirms Philip's understanding in John 5.39. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify, testify, bear witness about me. That's that word witness again. You want to see how God is working? Read the Scriptures and find Jesus to find eternal life. He's on every page. It's the Scriptures that bear witness to Him, telling you again and again how He is at work in the world. The same imagery is made quite vivid for us in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus standing in all of His glory with Moses and Elijah at his side. Oh, they think they've arrived. arrived. Three great prophets. And then those great leaders, Moses and Elijah, the representatives of the law and the prophets, fade into the background and leave Jesus standing alone, saying, all of that pointed to him. If you don't see him among Moses and Elijah, you've missed it. And Jesus reaffirms this after his resurrection. This incredible story in Luke 24, starting around chapter, or verse 27, he's walking on the road to Emmaus with these two men. They don't even recognize Jesus standing right there. He's right there in front of him and they can't see it. He says, beginning with the law and the prophets, he showed these two men how all the scriptures pointed to his life, death, and resurrection. And suddenly they could see. Oh, when did you get here, Jesus? He was there the whole time. Now they have the lens of Scripture, the law and the prophets to point them to Christ. Paul does the same thing in Acts chapter 13, 24, 28. Standing before devout Jews, he opens the law and the prophets, preaches Jesus. Standing before the governor, Felix, opens the law and the prophets, preaches Jesus. He's in house arrest in Rome. And people are flocking to his house where he opens the law and the prophets and preaches Jesus. Whatever page he's on, he will find Jesus to tell you about. This is his thought in Romans 3.21. He says the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. He says following the law, reading your Bible, as a list of things to do to accomplish some kind of experience, will not Lead you where you want to go. But following the law and the prophets will point you to the one who can give you his righteousness. That is Christ. The Word of God, the law and the prophets, point you to the Word of God, Jesus. He's the only one who will help you see when darkness seems to hide his face. This is the only truth that helped me continue on in faith through my own seasons of depression and suffering. And I can't see God. What are you doing? And he says, look to the Word. To whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. There is no way that this Word could be so consistent over 40 authors, thousands of years, unless God is at work to culminate it all into this one man, Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead to prove that He is alive. Don't look around you to see proof in some experience that God is at work. Don't look at how well put together we are as a church. Don't look into your heart and how you're feeling. All these things will deceive you. The only sure place to go is the Word of God. Look to the Word to see how God is at work. And when you look to Christ, you will be made a witness. You'll finally, when you do that, rejoice that your name is written in heaven and then go tell somebody about it. Don't tell them to come and see our church. Don't tell them to come and see how great our music is or or how tasty our potlucks are, how eloquent our preaching is. Don't tell them to come see how well-tuned our children's ministry is or how hospitable so many of you are. All these things only happen because of Christ at work in us. Tell them to come and see Jesus. It's Him who works these wonderful things in us to despite ourselves. That's why our sermons were so eager to get to Jesus. Even if it's a one-page minor prophet like Obadiah. He's talking about Jesus somehow. It's only when we see Him and faithfully proclaim Christ that we have anything worth getting excited about. No style of music, no programs that we unfold, no well-organized Sunday school lesson will thrill your soul like seeing God at work in Christ to redeem His people. If you're attending worship with us today and you wonder what it is that some of us get so excited about, it all seems so unimpressive to me. Look to His Word. Ask God to give you eyes to see. He is at work. He's building a city filled with people and streets paved with gold. He's building a temple out of people from every nation all over the earth. He's preparing a feast that will satisfy every hunger. He's building a family. A people that have no business being together otherwise, right? All of this done simply by lifting high the name of Jesus. Look to His Word and see Him at work. Let's pray. God, I pray that somebody here today who had this very question, where are You, God? Will begin to have eyes to see. I thank You for Danny, whom we are eager to baptize today, who said this very thing to us just a couple of weeks ago. I read it and I didn't understand it and now I see it. It makes sense. God, let us be that kind of people who see and bear witness To what we see and we go and tell. Come and see our Jesus. Amen.